But first up, characters, songs and sketches from Kenneth Williams and Ted Ray, armed with his violin. You have been warned. It's the Betty Witherspoon Show, and here's Betty! Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, I bless your hearts, thank you. Letters have been flooding in about my violin playing. Really, for instance, here's one that flooded in. <laughs> it says, Dear Mr. Ray, my boy is keen on the violin, but he doesn't have the masterful relationship with it which you have. What do you advise? So I wrote back, Dear Mrs. Menuhin. Come <laughs> <laughs> oh, on, get on, get on with it. Why don't you play something instead of standing there yattering? Oh. Perhaps you care to suggest something. How about the penguin song? The penguin song? Yeah, penguin How bottles it... hanging on the <laughs> No, I intend to play something much more dignified. Ken? Ah! Shoot! Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, Thank you. Oh, sorry, I got this awful stinking cold. This awful stinking cold what? <laughs> it's no good. <laughs> I'm really trying to stop, stop sneezing over people. Ah! Uh, Look, the doctor gave me this note. No, 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 no. Spray where you are. <laughs> no, so I said to the doctor. So you said to the doctor. I said, can you give me something for a cold I caught sitting in this drafty tea bar? To which he replied. How about calf mixture? <laughs> <laughs> calf mixture, I like it, I uh, do. You haven't tasted it. <laughs> One day, you never know. But now I'd like the audience to taste the joys of more no, music. Listen, listen, I was in this waiting room. Yeah. I was in the doctor's waiting room. See, the man comes yeah. in, he says, medicine. Yeah. It's all fooey. It's all psycho-blooming-logical, isn't it? Half the stuff you get in this place, he said, is just coloured water. That's all it is, coloured water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should know, he was the doctor. Go on. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't blame him for getting disillusioned. I mean, when you walk into those waiting rooms, oh, those waiting rooms, I mean, what do you see on every hand? Gloves? No. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying. Staring, staring faces. Staring. Uh, white staring. Yeah. What a shower. I said to the doctor, what makes these people stare so rudely to you? No, no. At you. Bless you. That <laughs> <laughs> was quick. You got a cold too. No, I haven't. I'm perfectly fit, as a matter of fact. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I haven't got time to stand around talking about your health. Ask some people how they are, and they actually tell you. I'm awful, <laughs> I'm awful across. I've got this red-hot tip. Uh, but no, this really is a red-hot tip for the 3.30. Gambling, Ken? Yes, I'm afraid. Well, remember what they say. In the spring, a young man's fancy rarely comes in the first three. Oh, go on. <laughs> I'm going to fire with a rope. Put one on. I'll see you later. I don't know, you know, this gambling fever is rife throughout the BBC. People are often surprised when they hear about my attitude to gambling. You see, well, perhaps I'd better tell you a little story. It's very sad, this, but it's true. A long time ago, well, not all that long ago, in Liverpool, there lived a little boy. And this little kid had a bike. Didn't have a father, but he had a bike. <laughs> His father... <laughs> now, don't, he's very sad. His father was one of those blokes who took the advice from the medicine bottle, keep well away from children. <laughs> and so he never went near them, or his missus. 
which made her very unhappy, because she fancied a bit of conversation now and again. <laughs> anyway, this bike, this bike was the kid's proudest possession, and he never let it out of his sight. He really loved that bike. One day, a professional gambler came strutting down the street and offered to play cards with a little boy. Naturally, since the kid was very young and so naive, the gambler deprived him of all he had, a penny, his yellow gobstoppers, and the whole bike was his. The gambler picked up a wheel and spoke <laughs> and said, goodbye and thanks for the game. And so saying, he pedaled off. And there just remains one more detail to add. Yes, it was me in that story. I, Ted Ray, was the gambler. <laughs> And now it's time for us to go over to the intelligence unit of New Scotland Yard and our old friend, Inspector Spules. This is Inspector Spules with Narcs 5, calling all cars in the vicinity of Regent's Canal, calling all cars in the vicinity of Regent's Canal. Policewoman Stubbings has just been rescued from the watery depths of the canal and is in urgent need of recreation, so hurry round there, lads. <laughs> Inspector, don't you mean artificial respiration? Recreation is when you fool around. You obviously haven't seen policewoman Stubbins. <laughs> Have you, sweetie? <laughs> Thank you, Inspector. <laughs> Thank you very much, Inspector. I gather that this week you uh, would like to give a, a little public service announcement. <laughs> Young men, have you ever seriously thought about a worthwhile career as a narc? Of course, in the old bill, there are height regulations. I myself am six foot one with my shoes on, six foot five with my hat on, or seven feet ten with my umbrella up. So if you have, <laughs> if you have an umbrella, why not apply to us today? Or, better still, join tonight, sweeties. Thank you, Inspector Spules. Oh, enchanté, ducky. <laughs> Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Betty Witherspoon Chorale is about to burst into song. And this time, it's a change of direction for the chorale. We're going into pop. So, maestro, music, please. It's the pop stars make the money. Now Hollywood's all washed up. Gonna grab ourselves some guitars and turn our chances up. Get it Gotta grow my head and my shoulders, put on some tattered jeans, and really turn myself into a throbbing sex machine. Wanna pop that magic dragon? Turn on with high speed gas. Get high on big price pudding. Get absolutely smashed. Like Shalala, <laughs> sing song with a really deep meaning. Like what? Like do I, do I, wah, wah. Oh, the pop stars make the money. Now Hollywood's all washed up. Gonna grab ourselves some guitars and tune our tonsils out. Gonna grab ourselves some guitars and tune our tonsils out. Yeah, man! Thank you, and next week the Betty Witherspoon Chorale once again will prove uh, that if music is the food of love, uh, 
We can give you indigestion. <laughs> now, something to make you all up. Wake you all up, I should say. Wake you all up. Nudism. But I wonder what really happens at nudist camps. What really happens? I mean, what would happen if they were to have a fancy dress ball at a nudist camp? Imagine that. Have you got your Have you got your dance ticket, sir? And your ticket for the fancy dress parade? No, I uh, I left them in my chalet. They had those nasty serrated edges. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm uh, I'm not competing. Then what are you doing here? Uh, I, I seem to have nothing on, so I came along. <laughs> <laughs> I take it you are in fancy dress. Let, yes, me, get, let yeah, me guess yeah. what you are. Now, oh, wait I... a minute. Now, uh, oh, yes. you're not Lady Godiva for the start. <laughs> No, 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 no. No, I thought not. No horse. No. Uh, And you're not Adam and Eve. We got Adam and Eve in already. Oh, I see. Yes, jolly good. Yes. Why else have people come here? That's oh, the usual thing. We've got a couple of cupids, yeah. two birthday suits, mm. Jack the Stripper, yeah. and then, of course, there's Mr. and Mrs. Trubshaw. Oh, the Trubshaws, yes. Trubshaw. Mrs. Trubshaws come as the Himalayas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and, uh, and Mr. Trubshaw? The Matterhorn. Oh, I see. <laughs> you see the fat, yeah. you see the fat, the fat couple there, over uh, there. Yes. Wait a minute, let me look at their faces. The, over there. Uh, oh, yes, the Jacksons. There, she's come as the biggest aspidestra in the world. <laughs> And how's Mr. Jackson? He's What's the pot. He? He's the pot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there's Mr. Wil- there's Mr. Wilkins. He's come as Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> oh, I say, but surely, surely Mahatma Gandhi always wore something. Oh no, 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 no! Not in the bathroom, sir. <laughs> well, how are we supposed to know he's in the bathroom? Well, he's wearing frosted glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, I suppose you've come from New Delhi. You said that. You see, Help. Nude Delhi. Nude. <laughs> I said that quick as a flash. Not that that's very quick round here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look here. Why on earth is Mr. Dodson wearing that briefcase tied to his stomach? <laughs> you know, wait for it, yeah. wait for it, wait for Tell it. Tell me, please. It comes a label attaché. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent, excellent. I saw through his disguise at once. Well, yeah. Come on now, come yeah, on. Yeah. Come on now, oh, sir. What are you? Well, what have you come as? Come on, I, what I, are you? Uh, Don't be shy. I, I would have thought it was perfectly obvious. Oh, go on, go on, tell. I'm, uh, I'm one of the judges. Oh, uh, I see. But shouldn't you be wearing the wig on your head? <laughs> Thank you, folks, and after all that barefaced effrontery, I think it's time to move on to our documentary feature. Neil, a piano link, please. Yes, fans, it's time once again for Witherspoon's World, and this week Betty focuses on her all-seeing documentary eye on the good old days. The good old days when for a penny you could get a seat right up in the gods and see Vesta Tilly, Marley Lloyd and George Roby. You could see them, but you couldn't hear them. <laughs> the good old days when if you went to Chelsea Football Club, offered a pound at the turnstiles and asked for two, they wanted to know whether you preferred half-backs or two forwards. <laughs> there was the good old days when society was polite and mannerly. Excuse me, Porter, Porter! 
What do my door for the answer to question? Where are we, old chap? Leatherhead. And the same to you, you pig-faced nick. <laughs> despite everything, certain institutions haven't changed much since the good old days. Amongst them, Mrs. Raquel Welch of Hendon. Bless her. Hello. This is the residence of Mrs. Raquel Welsh of Hendon. Mrs. Raquel Welsh of Hendon speaking personally with her voice. Hello, darling. It's Maury here, ringing from the office. Hello, darling. Hello. Ringing from the office, you say? Yes. Well, make it quick. You've got work to do. I was ringing about my birthday present to you, the parrot in the cage. Did it arrive yet? The parrot in the cage? Maury, was that from you? Oh, wonderful. A wonderful present. Murray, it was delicious. The flesh, <laughs> the flesh just fell away from the bone. You ate it. That bird could speak seven languages. So why didn't it say something? <laughs> Yes, um, there's a general feeling, isn't there, that somehow the good old days were better. Not that they were. For instance, poor me. I was an abandoned child. My parents found me on a doorstep. Well, actually, they didn't find me on the doorstep. They found me halfway across the road. Because our front door opens outwards, you see. <laughs> and we were so poor. Honestly, folks, we were so poor in winter. We used to sit round, huddled round a candle. And if, it was, and if it was very cold, my dad used to light it. He <laughs> did not get on his wick. <laughs> but one of the attractions about the old days, of course, is how much more simple and naive people were in those days. They weren't used to all the newfangled gadgets that somehow complicate our lives. Yeah, you back from the wars already, Jake? Sure am, Par. Well, welcome home, son. What'd they teach you to do in the Yankee army then, boy? Well, Par, it was great. They taught me how to wear boots, boots. and how to march. March. And oh. there's this here thing called a hand grenade. A hand grenade. What? Hand a hand grenade, Par. Oh, yeah. I got one here as a souvenir. You see, yeah. you just pull out the pin and then you choose something to throw it at. Oh, like the privy at the bottom of the yard there. Yeah. And then you just throw it like... Oh, and then what happens, son? Well, you just wait a few seconds, Pa, and then there's this tremendous... Shouldn't have done that, son. Don't fret, Pa. I'll build you a new privy. Oh, I know you will, son, but you still shouldn't have done that. Why, Pa? Because your ma was in there. Mama survived all right. Came down to earth with nothing wrong with her, just a slight flush. That's right. Oh, there's nothing like the higher form of entertainment. <laughs> you know, when I was a lad in the good old days, way back in 1900, mind your own business, <laughs> the biggest influence on our young lives was the vicar. I can still picture him to this very day. Get off there, Moggy. Get off, get off. Oh, that dang cat's at me cabbages again. Clear off your vomit. Go on, clear off. Get the flaming hell out of it. Oh, oh. good afternoon, Vicar. Oh, no, no, Zebedee. We have no need to talk to the poor animal in that way. He's one of God's creatures like you and me. When all is said and done, all you have to do is say, Go home, little pussy. 
Go home, little dumb friend. And you'll know as well as I, the cat will get the fly manel out of it just the same. And then, of course, who will forget that Sunday institution, the Vicar's Sermon? Luxury, velvet, cushions, a wall-to-wall carpet, armchair, dressed a field, a sofa, a feather pillow, a foam rubber mattress. What wonderful words of comfort there are. <laughs> Yes, well, no survey of the good old days would be complete without a view from the north of the border. And to get one, we sent out our roving reporter. Hello, good evening and welcome. And today, I've made a quick inroad up the glens. Oh, hi, you little rascal, you. Super terrific, wonderful, really wonderful. (laughs) I am wonderful, aren't I, Janet? Oh, hi. Mm. Well, seriously, though, Janet... (laughs) Days gone by, were parents and teachers stricter with young children than we are today? Oh, hi, uh-huh. Well, hey, can you give us an example? Once I was sent home from school because a little boy who sat next to me in class was smoking. Well, what did they send you home for? It was me that set him on fire. <laughs> she was, of course, his old flame. <laughs> well, mercifully, I just throw them in, you know. If you don't like, I can throw them back. We can can draw a veil over the rest of that conversation. Next week, we present a feature on the famous Ursuline nun with the wooden leg. It's a film called Hop Along Chastity Rides Again. (laughs) And after that, let's move on and go over to an office somewhere in London. Miss Miss Pringle? Yes? Uh, I wonder if you'd mind... uh, Uh, What are you doing in my office, Shrimpton? Uh, Good morning, sir. I didn't realise you were here, sir. What am I doing in your office? I'd rather not say, sir, at least not with your secretary in the room. Anything you can say to me can be said in front of my secretary. I don't want to bother you with it, sir. And equally, anything you can say to my secretary can be said in front of me. Now, out with it, ma'am. Very well, sir. I love you, sir. Will you marry me? (laughs) I thought you'd never ask. All right, all right, all right. Yes, next, 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 please, nurse. Ah, ah, good morning. 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 You go behind the screen and get ready for an x-ray, please. X-ray? I didn't come here for an x-ray. Didn't you realise this was a mobile x-ray unit? No. Do you mean that I've been queuing for three hours for an x-ray? Well, what did you think you were queuing for? Well, it says on the side of the van, live strip show and nude films. Well, <laughs> that describes x-rays, doesn't it? So uh, now you're here, take your top off and stand behind the screen. Go. Oh, well, very well then. Very Go well. over to the left a bit. Yeah. Left, left, uh, right. Well, now, clench, yeah. clench your fists. Yeah. Wiggle your hips. Stomach in. Now, arms over your head. There, your vest comes off quite easily, doesn't it? Oh, oh, dear me. What, what, what is it, Doctor? Do you smoke? No. Pity, I was hoping to catch your fag off you. <laughs> you have been eating cornflakes, haven't you? Y- yes, how, how do you know? It's the little plastic red Indian you've got in your stomach. <laughs> Plastic Red Indian? Mm. Is it serious? No, he's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have that little Red Indian out. 
Must you? Yes, my little boy collects them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Doctor, look, 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 I'm very worried. Apart from the engine, am I all right? Well, I have my reservations. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll take the little Indian in one off. All right, thank you. That's all you can get. <laughs> Goodbye, Doctor. Hey, where are we? This isn't where I came in. We're miles out in the country. This is a mobile X-ray unit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Thank you, and now it's time for Bessie Witherspoon's Theatre of the Air. Ladies and gentlemen, the tragedy of Henry VIII and his six wives. It's a comedy. If anyone is fool enough to get married six times, it's a ruddy tragedy. <laughs> The scene is the royal chamber at Hampton Court, where we find Henry idly fingering his lute. Here. That's what it says. It's a family show, you know. <laughs> your Majesty, may I interrupt your strumming with some matters of state? If you must, Cromwell, what news? Well, there have been complaints from the traitors about the roof of the tower. Well, what about it? They'd like one. <laughs> it rained very heavily yesterday, and it took them six hours to finish their gruel. <laughs> <laughs> Enough polish as it is. Listen, Crumble. What's that? Put the royal chef in chains this morning at breakfast. There was a worm in my game pie. Look, Crumble. I beg your pardon, sire, but that's fat. Yeah, well, it's entitled to be. It's eating all my game pie. Another <laughs> <laughs> news. Have they taken Sir Humphrey de Clanoy off the torture rack yet? Yes, sire. He was stretched good and proper. But he's recovering in the hospice of St. Francis. Which ward is he in? Six, seven, and eight. <laughs> he's doing a stretch. And another thing, your presence is required in London to dismiss the Lord Privy Seal. He's been causing trouble again. What's he been doing? Going around sealing up everyone's privies. Oh, we'll <laughs> have to go. He can't, he can't get in. <laughs> Prepare the royal barge. We row to Westminster on the tide. Yes, sir. Good morrow, loyal citizens of my realm. Not the king. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Tomorrow is Cardinal Wolsey's 65th birthday, and I invite you all to his birthday party. Yay! He won't be here, though, because he died when he was 57. <laughs> that went better first, Alice. <laughs> oh, come inside. Come inside, Crumble, and close the door on that rabble. Now, out with it, man. Out with it. You're hiding something. Well, you see, Your Majesty, the courtiers and I think you ought to get married again. Don't we, lads? Yes! yes. All those in favour of my proposal the King gets married again, say aye. Aye! All those opposed signify by nay. Nay. The nays have it. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to talk you round to my point of view, Crumble. Yes, sir. You see, three queens is enough for any king. Any more than I'd be trumped. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, what did you have in mind? There's a northern beauty. I have a painting of her by Anne Zolbein. Look, isn't she a beauty? Oh. 
There's a touch of the Scandinavian about her, don't you think? Yeah, she has got a face like an horse. <laughs> she can't help it, her father was a mayor. <laughs> She's here. <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot that. Bummel. She's here. <laughs> if you'd like to meet her, Your Majesty. Oh, all right. Anything for a quiet life. What is her name, pray? Seymour. Yes, and I'm not surprised if she wears dresses like the one in that painting. <laughs> Call her in. Hey, in. Come in. My Lady Jane Seymour, Your Majesty. You may retire, Cromwell. God blimey, I'm not 65 yet. Give me a chance. Get out, Chester, statesman. Go on, clear it off. Come here, Jane. Come oh, here. Dear. Oh, sire. Your amours are famed throughout the kingdom, Your Majesty. Mm. Oh, oh, tell me, sire. Mm. How do you captivate women? Well, it's simple. You've got to be gallant, debonair, brave, an impeccable dresser, a wit, a bon viveur, and above all, a man. No, I meant how do you captivate them? <laughs> oh, you saucy wench. Come on, how about a bit of slap and tickle? No, I need coaxing. <coughs> Why don't you nibble my ear like you used to nibble Catherine of Arrogance? That was years ago, dear, when I had my own teeth. <laughs> <laughs> now, by the time I find them, the urge for a quick nibble's gone. <laughs> Come on, dear, take it or leave it. Will you marry me? Oh, yes. And you know what, sire? I think I'll wear yellow for the wedding. Oh, no, dear, please, not yellow. You'll look like a Christmas pudding with custard on. Oh! Oh! How can you be so cruel? <laughs> if you were my husband, Al, and said things like that, I'd put poison in your wine. And if you were my wife and more yellow, I'd probably drink it. My <laughs> dear, our betrothal calls... For a celebration drink. Yes, where's the nearest boozer? Oh, somebody call me. <laughs> Trust you. Look, Cromwell, Milady Seymour and I are betrothed. Good news, sire. Here, the boys and I were talking. Will it be a white wedding? Only if it snows. <laughs> now, now, pull yourself together. <laughs> now, Cromwell, sir. I plan to celebrate. Good. Bring me a couple of bottles of the best Malmsey from the wine cellar. From the where? Tell him it's for me and he won't charge you for the bottles. <laughs> now, let us proceed in stately verse as befits a monarch. Yes. Ah, oh, come, sweet Jane, my little flower. I'm going to throw you in the tower. Cut my head off. Oh, how provoking. No, you can't. I'm only joking. A little bluff. My buxom gal. That's why they call him Bluff King Al. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And that's it. An excerpt from The Six Wives of Henry VIII, Act Three, Scene Four, Illingworth, Not Out, 27. <laughs> Next week, Betty Witherspoon's Theatre of the Air presents Miriam Margulis in Will Any Gentleman? And the first person to answer that question on postcards, please, is a braver man than I am, bung it in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all for this week. On behalf of Betty Witherspoon and myself, I'd like to thank you all for coming. Bye-bye. <laughs> The Betty Witherspoon Show starred Ted Ray and Kenneth Williams and featured Miriam Margulies and Nigel Reese. The musical director was Neil Innes. The script was written by Michael Whale and Joe Steeples with additional material from Fred Metcalf, Peter Spence and Chris Miller. The violin was played by Ted Ray and The Fool by Kenneth Williams. And the programme was produced by Simon Brett. <laughs>